Let's open up in our Bibles now to 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5. We're going to be doing a little bit of housekeeping this morning, so if you're visiting, not really the best week to visit, although you're welcome to be here. Maybe you'll come again and give us another try. But uh, it's kind of a family affair this morning. We're just taking care of a little bit of housekeeping. Of course, we just finished that short series, This is Reality, talking about who we are because of who God is and what Scripture says and what we then do and how we do it. So we finished that, and now we've got a little more housekeeping to do here at our Ventura campus. So we'll talk about that. We're going to introduce some staff this morning, bring them and their spouses up in a few minutes and let you guys know some stuff. Let's go to the Lord first. Lord, we just thank you for your nearness to us. We thank you for the cross that brings us to God and that you've not left us alone, you've not left us as orphans, but you are our Father, you are our God, you're our King and our lover and our best friend and you've brought us near. And we ask together as a church that you would be more near than ever. We say together more than ever that we need you, Jesus, we need you to be our chief shepherd, our senior pastor. We need you to be the head of the church, the one that cares for and loves the church. We need your grace in our lives. Lord, we're discovering that we sin more than we ever thought we would at this point. And that for some of us, we're suffering more than we ever imagined, but we believe that your grace is sufficient. We ask that you would increase in our lives, that you would increase in our church, that Holy Spirit, you would come and make Jesus more beautiful, more desirable, more wonderful than anything else this world has to offer. We ask that, Lord, you would bind us together as a church and as a multi-campus church, that we'd be bound together, that we would have the unity and the spirit of love among us because of who you are. You would teach us to get along and to love each other and to be on mission with each other and with you for your glory. We ask that now you would please anoint me to communicate some things regarding this campus and that you and all these things, Jesus, would be preeminent and glorified. We ask it together in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So, some housekeeping things. Let me state the obvious. Reality is a multi-campus church. You guys know that. We've got this campus here in Ventura, thank you, Jesus, and that campus up there in Carpinteria. We are a multi-campus church. We are one church in two locations. We need to get that phraseology and we need to hold on to that. We cannot forget our brothers and sisters up north and they can't forget us here down south. We are one church, but we're in two locations, a multi-campus church. In addition to that, we at Reality are also a church that births other churches, that in turn birth other churches. So we've become a family of churches, and, and we're sort of a mama church and a grandmama church now. You know, London was our first grandbaby, and we're the mama to uh, Reality Stockton and Reality Los Angeles and Reality San Francisco, and there's some other babies in the womb right now. We're just getting pregnant as we, as we speak. <laughs> so we're a multi-campus church, and we're a church that births other churches that birth other churches. One church in two locations and a family of churches. Now, 
There is a difference between a church plant, that's what like Los Angeles, Stockton, San Francisco, London, those would be, and a campus. There's a difference between a plant and a campus, Carpentry and Ventura being campuses. Here's some of the differences. A church plant is eventually autonomous and has its own vision, resources, leadership, and teaching. Okay, a church plant is meant to become autonomous and have its own vision, resources, leadership, and teaching. All of those things are supported and supplemented by the planting church in the beginning and from time to time as needed. Just like some of you parents help out your kids when you need them. You might help them buy their first car or their first house or something like that, you know. We help them out as needed, sort of as the mama church. But the goal is always for a church plant to become autonomous. Now, a campus does not have the goal of becoming autonomous. A campus has shared resources, vision, leadership, and teaching. Shared vision, resources, leadership, and teaching. There will be, at various campuses, unique qualities, unique character, and unique mission that happens because of the context. Things are going to look different at the Ventura campus to a certain degree than they are at the Carpinteria campus, spiritually and practically. We understand that. There is a certain uniqueness, but the overarching vision, resources, leadership, and teaching are something that is shared. And with campus, multi-campus ministry, there's always the goal of oneness. There's always this goal of preserving the fact that we are one church in multiple locations. There's not a plan to become autonomous. The plan is to stay connected unless the Lord would show us something else, but he hasn't at this time. So, as a multi-campus church, we've got to keep that in front of us. So we want to cultivate that oneness. That's why sometimes we have events up at the Carpinteria campus. Sometimes we have them down here at the Ventura campus. There's some cross-pollinization of staff, so on and so forth. We, we want to keep that togetherness thing going. Now, the way that we became a multi-campus church is interesting. Uh, it's not that we were reading books on the latest church fads or that we had some strategy. It was really that we had a problem. At our Carpinteria church, there were hundreds of people driving up for the Ventura area, literally hundreds of people. And that presented a problem because the church facility wasn't big enough. There wasn't enough parking. We couldn't fit all the people in. And we had this huge problem. And it was causing really big problems. We were like getting in trouble with the city and the neighbors and all that stuff. And so for a couple years as leadership of the church, pastors and elders and staff, we were praying to the Lord, what, what should we do? And we started poking around and we looked at buying property and we looked at buying other buildings and we looked at building buildings and moving in this and that and the other. And then we started praying a lot more because none of that was clicking. The doors weren't opening. You know what I mean? And, and we've determined as church leadership not to open doors for ourselves. We're not going to make things happen. We're going to follow Jesus into mission. And so none of those things were happening. So we started to pray more. And what seemed to us just to be a problem of overcrowding and too many people coming, as we began to pray, turned from a problem to an opportunity. We begin to see that all the people going all the way to Little Carpinteria from big, beautiful Ventura here, 
meant that there was some sort of need down here for some fresh work. That's not to discount any of the works that are going on and have been going on, but we assume that hundreds of people wouldn't be driving north if there wasn't some sort of need here. So we started to pray. Lord, instead of making everybody come up here, how can we go down there? And the problem turned into an opportunity. And the seeking of a solution turned into the birthing of a passion in our hearts for this community, for this area. And we begin to get really burdened to reach this area, to be missional and on mission here. And so the Lord led us to the multi-campus model. Instead of having people leave their primary context of relationships and neighbors and family and networks to go to church in a different community, we said, well, let's get them at church in this community. There's obviously something about what God is doing in reality that appeals to them. There's something in that DNA by the Holy Spirit that is working for them. So let's take the church to them so that the people that are the church can stay in their community of primary relationship, responsibility, network, family, friends, businesses, so on and so forth, so as to enable the church to better be the church on mission where God has them. So after a year of praying together, the Lord birthed this campus here. And uh, in my humble opinion, it's going incredibly well, that it's going really, really well. And not that growth is everything, but growth is something, right? I mean, God wants to grow the church. He wants more people saved. He wants to grow the church. And when we started this campus, we immediately grew by a thousand people. Several hundred people here and several hundred people filled up the spaces that some of you left when you left CARP to come down here. All of a sudden, bam, they filled them up. And we grew by a thousand people in a matter of a couple weeks. And that's abnormal for church growth. That is obviously a work of the Lord. And since that time, you guys may have noticed, I've been trying really hard to get rid of a lot of you. <laughs> I, I don't know if you picked up on that. Not all growth is healthy growth. There are things that grow in a body that are unhealthy. And so we've wanted to make sure that the Lord is adding to the number daily those who will be saved, as in the book of Acts, those who are being saved, and, and that you're here by God's will and not because you're disgruntled with some other place. So we're trying real hard to get rid of you, and we'll keep doing that. But by all accounts, it's working very well to be one church in two locations. And there's some real obvious benefits to the multi-campus model, as opposed to if we had just planted a whole separate church here in Ventura. And some of the benefits are sharedness, things we get to share that enable the mission to go forward more effectively and more quickly. As, as one church in two locations, we get to share experience, experience of those who are in leadership and serving. We get to share expertise. We have people on staff and involved in the church. So they're real experts in areas of mission and ecclesiology and life. We get to share leadership, pastors, elders, general leadership. We get to share general staff. There's not a, a need to get a whole new staff and fund that. We get to share that staff. There's a shared budget, which works out really good, especially for this campus because Carpentria funded you guys 100% in the beginning. Happy to do that because we're one church in two locations. But you guys are doing very well. 
By the way, we're picking up your end of it. We get to share equipment, like that big gray ugly bus that we park in Carpinteria. We get to share that. We don't have to buy another bus. We get to share the bus. We get to share events and opportunities. We will be doing Easter at the Ventura Fairgrounds this Easter. And so we'll get to share in that, you know, uh, one church, two locations, but we'll be in one location that Sunday, and that's going to be an incredible time celebrating Jesus, and I believe we'll see hundreds of people get saved that day as long as you guys bring them. So we get to share in those opportunities. We get shared identity and reputation, which is only good if we have a good reputation, and maybe that's yet to be determined, but whether our reputation is going to be good or bad in the community, we're going to share that. So if carpentry is making a mess, that reflects on you guys and vice versa. And we have shared, proven leadership. I didn't say perfect leadership because the leadership of this church is not perfect, not even close. They do fail and they will continue to fail. You need to know that. But it is proven leadership by the grace of God and the enabling of the Holy Spirit to the glory of Jesus Christ the leaders that God has raised up in reality have done a good job in shepherding the church underneath Jesus Christ himself. So all of those shared resources allow a multi-campus church to grow quicker than if you did a brand new work, which takes years to get a foothold. You guys are um, two-thirds the size of the Carpinteria campus. In just a few months, if we had planted a brand new church, you know, it took the Carpinteria campus almost seven years to get to that size. So it allows the sharing of resources, the sharing of DNA, this tapping into the flow of something that the Holy Spirit is doing. It allows growth to the glory of God and the benefit of the kingdom and the world in the multi-campus model. So being one church in two locations, we share those things. Now, Sharing is an important value for us as reality. Our ecclesiology, ecclesiology, big word, comes from the Greek word for church, ekklesia, right? Our understanding of the church and church leadership is one of shared leadership. We believe in sharing responsibility and leadership within the church, and we believe in doing church as a team. Now, on that team, though we work together as a team at all levels of ministry, there are those who specialize on that team, just like you do in any other team. You know what I mean? You got a guy who's like the quarterback and a guy who kicks the ball and holds the ball. I don't know football. I do surfing, and it's not a team sport. No teams in surfing. So anytime you hear me doing a team analogy, I'm blowing it. But like a team, there's people who specialize. We've got people that uh, are on staff and do general pastoral work and care and counseling and leading, but they specialize in technology or in operations or in youth or in various things. So we work together as a team, but there's specialists on that team that make the team more effective. The brothers and sisters that I'm going to bring before you this morning, along with their spouses, are members of that team, the staff at Reality that serve both Carpinteria and Ventura, but the ones that are going to come up here in a moment that you guys are going to pray over, they specialize in the Ventura campus. Okay, that's their specialty. We're one church, two locations. We are also one staff, two locations. 
one team of pastor elders, two locations. So for our one church, we have 21 full-time staff members, 21 full-time staff members. Six of those specialize in the Ventura campus. Okay, that is their specialty. They're pouring their life into the Ventura campus. They're not breaking off from that team. They're still on the team, right? We're still on the same side of the field, but they're specializing here. Six more specialize at the Carpinteria campus. One team, but that's their specialty up there. And then nine other full-time staff members um, serve both campuses in different capacities. So we're working together as a team in that way. I'm just going to bring the Ventura specialists before you this morning. If you want to see the rest of the team, you can go to our website and we've got brand new pictures of them up there and little descriptions of what they do. And we're also producing a video that will be done in a couple weeks that will explain further uh, some of these things about our team. It's been a process to discover who the Ventura campus specialists will be. We, we resisted just naming them in the beginning. One of our values at Reality is that we go slow and we go prayerful. It just helps us to make less mistakes. You know, life is like that. Like, if you just run out and do it, you're, you're going to make some really big mistakes. It's cool to slow down and pray and wait for the Lord. Can anybody witness to that fact? So, so we, we tried not to hurry into it, you know, and we weren't hearing from the Lord that these are necessarily the specialists. And so... We just have taken a long time to pray to kind of let the Lord organize it. And you guys have been really patient as a campus, you know, over the last several months. You've seen a lot of different leaders from both campuses circulating in and out. But we've heard the cry from you guys. Hey, who is the Ventura staff? Who are they? Who do we look to? Who do we go to with our drama and our problems and all this stuff? We want to know. We want to get them. We've heard that cry, and it's, it's made us pray even more. And so we believe that the Lord has revealed that to us by grace. But I want you to know that we're real prayerful and slow about these things. And as reality, we'd rather go without something or someone rather than putting the wrong something or someone in a place. We'd rather just go without. But we believe that we've got the right team now. What we're not saying at this time is about any one man. This is your campus pastor. I know some of you have wanted that. That's not what we're saying at this time. What we're going to say is, these are your campus pastors, plural, and that this is the staff that serves this campus. Okay, one of our core values is a plurality of pastors or elders, that shared leadership idea, again, that's reflective of who we are. It's not to say that we won't necessarily at some time say, hey, this is kind of the lead campus pastor here, um, it's just that right now the Lord really has us being intentional about sharing leadership. And we're learning to do that in every facet of the church. And he's growing us and stretching us in that area. And so the Carpinteria campus is functioning the same way. I'm not a Carpinteria specialist per se. I'm one of those nine staff members that serves both campuses. Um, and for example, in my own ministerial responsibilities in the church, I'm not called the pastor. When I introduce myself to the church or other people, I don't say, I'm the pastor of reality. I say, I am a pastor at reality, or I'm one of the pastors at reality, or I'm on staff at reality with other people. Um, I realize that my position is unique as a teaching and preaching pastor, and also as the founding pastor. So there's a unique calling and um, thing that God is doing there. 
But even in, in that own calling, I'm always seeking to share that. You guys have seen other young men in the church share the pulpit. You've seen them teach. You've seen that they're able teachers, that they're wonderful, that they're anointed by God. You guys are going to see more of that in the months to come. There's going to be continual uh, growth in that. We have a responsibility to raise up young teachers and preachers. I have a calling on my life to do that. I don't know how to do that other than to get them teaching and preaching. So you're going to see different guys in the pulpit, and we'll be sharing it with different guys. You'll see the Ventura specialists here in the pulpit from time to time. And uh, you guys need to know that that's a work of God and not get stuck on one teacher. We can't do that. Let's not be that church. Let's not be that church that, that just gets stuck on that one guy and we can only receive from him or he's my favorite teacher or if he's not teaching, I'm not going or I'm disappointed today because that guy's not here. That doesn't honor Christ and that's not consistent with what we see in the word of God. We want to work on that shared leadership, shared responsibility thing. And so we're not saying, here's your campus pastor. We're saying, here's your campus pastors and staff members. It takes a team of people to care for a church this large. And if we get focused on any one person, we're going to kill that person. We're going to burn that person out. If we're always demanding that one person's time, his attention, his resources, if, if it's always that we need him or her, we're going to burn that person out. We're going to wreck them, we're going to wreck their family, and we're going to wreck their ministry. So we can't do that. we got to embrace the model that we see in the New Testament of shared leadership, a plurality of elders and pastors. we got to be able to receive from different men and women that God has put in leadership in the church. You know, we're approaching a church of 3,000 people. It's ridiculous to think that one guy can serve and care for all those people. And beyond that, we want to fight for this fact that Jesus is the senior pastor of the church. Want to fight? Yeah, praise the Lord. Want to fight for that? We want to celebrate that. We want to keep that in front of us. I want to show you where that is in Scripture. It's right here in 1 Peter 5. We'll read a few verses. Starting in verse 1, it's Peter writing to some elders in the church in Asia. He says, therefore, I exert the elders among you as your fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ and a partaker also of the glory that is to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but voluntarily according to the will of God and not for sordid gain, but with eagerness, nor yet is lording it over those allotted to your charge, but proving to be examples to the flock. Now look at verse 4. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive an unfading crown of glory. Chief shepherd. Poimen arche in the Greek. Senior pastor in our vernacular. The head one, the leading one, the one of highest rank. That's why we don't call anyone else on the staff senior anything. We don't use senior pastor because senior denotes some superiority. So we're going to say about Jesus that Jesus is superior and everyone else stinks, okay? That Jesus is the senior leader, the chief shepherd. That word shepherd, poimen in the Greek, is where we get our word pastor. He's the senior 
pastor. He is the focus. He's the one we're committed to. He's the one that we're following. Okay, the Bible says about him that he is the foundation of the church. He's the builder of the church. He's the redeemer of the church, the head of the church, the chief shepherd of the church, and the one who loves the church. It is all about Jesus. And the more we we cling to that and the more we keep it about that, the better we will all be as the church together. And then we realize, though, that God is not anti-leadership. That God always appoints leaders throughout history. You can't escape that. God always has leaders, men and women, that he raises up. And so we're not a church that's anti-leadership. When we say that Jesus is the senior pastor, we're not saying that there are no other leaders. There's always leaders in the church. There must be leaders in the church. And Christ, as the chief shepherd, the senior pastor, appoints other leaders in the church to oversee and to care for the church. Now, in the New Testament, speaking of sort of, um, for lack of a better phrase, the highest level of leadership in the church, we have three synonymous terms. Overseer or bishop, depending on your translation. I like overseer because bishop is kind of a loaded term because of church history. So overseer, elder, and pastor. These are synonymous terms in the New Testament. They're describing the same office, the same job, the same calling, the same anointing, okay? They're used interchangeably. We even see them used interchangeably in uh, this passage that we just read. In verse 1, therefore, I exhort the elders among you, elders. In Greek, it's the word presbyteros. It's where you get the word presbytery, okay, a ruling body. And then he talks to them and he says in verse 2, shepherd the flock of God among you. Shepherd there is the verb in Greek poimeno. Uh, The noun is poimen, meaning pastor, shepherd, pastor. So what's the job of the elder but to pastor? We see that clearly right there. And then he says exercise oversight. That word is episkopeo, is the verb in Greek, episkopos, It's where you get the term Episcopalian, and it means an overseer. So what does an elder do? He pastors and he oversees. So overseer, elder, and pastor are synonymous terms in the New Testament. Generally at this church, we'll just refer to them as pastors. If we need to get more technical at certain times we do, we'll refer to them as elder pastors. We don't separate out that You know, these guys are elders but not pastors. You can't be an elder and not be a pastor. The job of the elder is to pastor the church. That's an incorrect understanding of biblical ecclesiology. So the the leaders in the church are overseers or elders or pastors. Synonymous phraseology. And we see Peter talking about all three of them right here. Now, the job description that we see in the New Testament of elder pastors are that they are to shepherd the flock of God, they're to protect the flock, guard the flock and watch out for wolves, Acts 20, prove to be examples to the flock, visit and pray for the sick, exercise oversight in the church, take care of the church, preach and teach in the church, exhort in sound doctrine, and refute those who contradict sound doctrine. 
So in a nutshell, their job is doctrinal, right? Teaching and preaching and theological oversight and guidance in the church. And it's pastoral, caring for and loving and praying and leading and guiding. What we see in the Bible is that certain men who had this role in the book of Acts, as the church began to grow, they needed to appoint other leaders in the church to take care of some of the other stuff. And we see that in Acts chapter 6, where some of those leaders that were the apostles who were functioning as elder pastors came and said, look, we need some other people that can take care of some of the practical stuff in the church so that we can concentrate on, concentrate on teaching and preaching and praying and leading. We see that in Acts chapter 6, 1 through 7. So we also have then a further general staff, and there are lay leaders within the church. Ministry is not their paid vocation, but they're leaders in the church, such as our home group leaders and others. So you have the elder pastors, you have other leaders in the church, you've got lay leaders in the church, general staff, all sharing responsibility, but specializing according to gifting and certain instances. And what we see in the book of Acts and what we're experiencing in our own church is that shared leadership doesn't hinder mission and ministry, it pushes it forward. The early church would have been hindered in the tremendous growth that they experienced if they kept, you know, all the leadership responsibilities right here. Instead, they were pushing the ministry down to the people so that the mission could go out. And that's the same thing that we practice as a church. So it fosters growth and mission going forward, and it provides a greater deal of accountability. A greater deal of accountability because no leader in the church, no matter how gifted, wise, anointed, adored, whatever, is beyond the capability of making really bad decisions. We see it in the church all the time. Carpinteria has a long history of it, and unfortunately, Ventura in this area also have a long history of it. So by sharing leadership and a plurality of eldership, by getting rid of the senior position and, and giving that only to Jesus, we level the playing field and thereby increase accountability. It's harder for a guy like me to mess up because I have so much shared responsibility. I don't make decisions in a vacuum. I don't make them alone. We make them together as a team. And so we're involved in each other's life as a team. So there's this great deal of ecclesiological and personal accountability because of shared leadership. So I'm going to bring some Ventura specialists up in a moment. I just want to make sure that you know a couple reasons why it's important for you to be able to identify them visually now at this point in our campus journey. One is so that you can submit to them. You get that? The Bible says that the church is to submit to those who are leaders in the church. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 17 says, Obey your leaders and submit to them. For they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with grief, for this would be unprofitable for you. The Bible says you don't submit to your leaders, you're in trouble. Now, submission does not mean that leadership is perfect. True submission is able to submit even when leadership is imperfect. And in this church, we have imperfect leadership. I need you to know that. Okay, your submissiveness is is not dependent upon their perfection. 
That's not what submission means. That would be ridiculous. I also want you to be able to identify them so that you could pray for them. In the next verse, the author says, Pray for us, for we are sure that we have a good conscience, desiring to conduct ourselves honorably in all things. I want you to see who they are so that you can go to them, so that you can expect from them these things that we spoke about that leadership are supposed to do in the church. Now you're going to have, you know, these guys and gals in your head. You're going to know that you can go to them in a time of need. I also want you to identify them so that you can go to them to help them. Go to them for help and go to them to help. Okay, I'll say right now, we don't have enough leaders for how big our church has gotten for multi-campuses and for planting other churches. So you guys can't just be those who are always looking to get something. You got to be the church that's always looking to give something. Amen? And so these are also now men and women that you could go to and say, how can I assist you? How can I help out? How can I be involved? How can I lighten your load? How can I take care of some of this practical stuff that obviously needs to be taken care of so that you can give attention to your specialties in the ways that God has anointed you? That's who we need to be as a church. Some of the reasons why you don't need to necessarily see them, okay? Number one, Jesus. Okay, the church is all about Jesus. Before you go to them, go to Jesus. Okay, before you pick up the phone, before you schedule an appointment, before you grab them on a Sunday, go to Jesus. Maybe he has a solution to your problem. I don't know, maybe. But, but don't we make that mistake? Don't we go to people before Jesus so often? We, we have this weird over-focus on people. But we're supernatural people. It's all about Jesus. So go to him first. So I almost wish you never saw him so that you could just go to Jesus all the time. Um, the other reason that you don't really need to see them is you guys have home group leaders. If this church is your home, you need to be in a home group. And home group leaders are another level of pastoral care. They're, care to, they're there to know you guys, interact with you guys, love you guys, counsel you guys, walk through life with you guys. We couldn't accomplish the pastoral work that we need to accomplish in this church without our home group leaders. So when you come to us for help, we're often going to ask you, well, who's your home group leader? What home group are you in? Have you, have you talked to your home group leader about this? Because unless we're spreading out that base of mission and ministry, you guys, your, your other leaders, you're going to burn them out, you're going to burn their families, and you're going to mess up the church. And then beyond that, the third and final reason why you didn't need to see them is because every member of the church is a minister. It's called the doctrine of the priesthood of the saints. And you guys need to learn to care for one another, to pray for one another, to counsel one another to love one another, to shepherd each other. Each one of you has the same Spirit of God in you that any other leader has. You have the same Word of God that any other leader has. You can pray for each other, care for each other, counsel each other, baptize each other, lay hands on each other, anoint each other in oil. You guys can do all that stuff. We would consider it the greatest level of success if you never came to us. We'd be like, this is awesome. They're doing it. They don't need us at all. Having said all that now, I'm going to invite some of the Ventura specialists and their spouses to come up and let's give them some love as they're coming. Well, this motley crew is anointed by God. They really are. 
So I'll just introduce them. I'm not going to tell you a ton about them. Um, we just don't have time. and You guys could get to know them. Um, but starting over here on my far left, this is Sean Noss, that tall blonde guy right there. And that's his beautiful wife, Emily. And uh, you can hold your applause till the end. They're all wonderful. Uh, Sean is the only one of all of these that lives in Carpinteria still. So don't hold that against him. Okay, don't hold that against him and Emily. Remember cross-pollinization, one church, two locations. Everyone else on staff lives down here in Ventura, but Sean's up in Carpinteria. Emily is with child, her first child. And Sean is one of our pastoral interns, and you've seen him lead worship, and he's anointed by God, and he's a guy that uh, we're training and, and raising up, and he's got a lot of responsibility here at this campus, and he's a Ventura specialist by the calling of God. Next are... Chad and Kelly Amico, that's Pastor Chad, and uh, they have a million kids, and they live here in Ventura, <laughs> five kids, and they live here in Ventura, and uh, you've seen Chad a lot, he was doing announcements this morning, he's a pastor elder here at the Ventura campus, and uh, his wife Kelly is incredibly anointed by the Lord too, and we'll be helping out with women's counseling and stuff like that from time to time. This beautiful lady is Jen, and this is her beautiful husband Paul, isn't he lovely? <laughs> And Jen oversees the children's ministry down here at Ventura. Children's ministry is incredibly important to us. We want to raise the kids in the Lord, partnered with the parents, not supplanting what the parents do, not doing it in lieu of the parents. It is every parent's job to raise their children in Christ, but we want to come alongside you as a church. And statistically speaking, most people get saved when they are children. So our children's ministry is important to us as anything else. And Jen Waltz is incredibly anointed. They've got a new little baby, baby Chloe. And she just got off maternity leave. And her husband Paul is a firefighter. And that's a cool thing. <laughs> and so then right here in the black is Pastor Billy. Many of you know him. We just hired him a couple weeks ago full time. And before we hired him, he was already pastoring and leading and shepherding and overseeing in the church. That's what we look for, is somebody who God has their hand on, they're anointed, they're already doing it. They're not standing around saying, let me do something. They're just doing it. And people are following them because they're anointed by God. And that's what we saw in Billy. And this is his wife, Joe Ray. And they're an amazing couple. And uh, we're very, very blessed to have them. And you'll see Billy all the time. This is our newest guy. This is Devin. And he is incredibly brave because he's the brand new junior high pastor down here in Ventura. Our junior high group down here is exploding. It's, it's uh, bigger than the Carpinteria group. It's going through the roof. It's absolutely awesome. And he actually hasn't even started yet. He starts next week. And so he's in way over his head. And uh, his wife, Jana, is also on staff full-time with us. She runs the office for both churches currently out of the Ventura campus and is also a youth leader. And uh, she keeps us in line in the office up there, and she does an awesome job. Them both being on staff, they need double the prayer. And then down on the end, you guys know this guy with dreadlocks, Dominic Bally? Dominic Bally has been with me and with reality almost since the very beginning of the church. Uh, one of the first guys that God called from outside the community to come, and they moved to Carpinteria by the calling and anointing of God. You know, his wife, Emily, and, um, and now they live in Ventura. They recently bought a home in Ventura, and God called them down here when we started the campus, and they thought they'd be in Carpinteria for their entire life, but God called them down here, 
and they are now Ventura specialists as well. And uh, he's also a pastor elder in the church and oversees tons of stuff and has uh, wisdom beyond his years. And even though he has dreadlocks, don't let that fool you. He's filled with the Spirit of God. That's really sweet of you guys. You're going to draw great encouragement from that. We all understand anytime we applaud at church, we're applauding something the Lord is doing. And the Lord is going to do cool stuff in people. And we want to recognize that and rejoice with those who rejoice. And as uh, staff members down in here in Ventura, you guys will get to weep certain times with them as well. Life's not going to be easy for all of them all the time. So what I want to do now is have them come down to the front. And then I'm going to ask you guys to come and lay hands on them and pray for them. Give them a second to get down there. I'm not going to pray. You guys are going to pray. You, you're the church. You know how to pray. You need to pray for their families, for their marriages, for their children, for an anointing upon them, for wisdom, protection from the enemy, that God would use them powerfully. You guys can understand how to pray. And let's not be naive. Anytime someone is a leader in the church and a recognized leader in the church, it's as if they have a big target on their back for Satan. Because Satan knows if he could take down a leader, he could take down multiple people. That, that's just the way it is, right? That's just the way it is. So Satan is always targeting leaders in a particular way, knowing if he could take them down, he'll take down more people. So we really need to pray over them. So I'm going to have you guys come forward now, those of you that are into this thing, and lay hands on them. I'm going to turn off my mic and just let you guys start praying. We can all pray at once and let Jesus sort it out. Uh, we could take turns. When you're praying with hundreds of people, you can't pray for long, so no prayer hogs. And you need to pray loud because we want to agree in prayer. But I'm going to turn off my mic, and you're the church. This is the staff that God has raised up. You guys just start praying over them and do it now. 